this week we have the launch hangout for the crew one launch if you missed it last week we've got you covered it was sarah and i hanging out we took your questions in the chat live and we welcome yours now afterwards here's the best of from this week's launch hangout welcome everybody to today in space for our launch hangout if you're here joining us on facebook live hello thank you for joining us please feel to feel free to send us any questions let us know how you're doing if you're watching thank you for joining us we just saw the crew arm retract back from this uh the actual spacecraft itself and we're getting to the point where we've got all four astronauts strapped in we're about to start arming that crew escape system so that if anything does happen that goes wrong then they can get out of there uh, and those are the rockets that are built on board that but we're excited we're here i'm here with sarah in the background hello sarah okay. thank you for joining thank you everyone for watching i have been watching this kind of all day in and out it's mm -hmm. been it's been really exciting i keep getting nervous every time this happens i mean this is this is the high stakes this is this is sending human beings into space, and this is our first operational crew. This is the first time we're doing this with NASA. America's actually doing a real mission with astronauts going to space. So this is really exciting. I'm, I'm pumped. We've got the NASA TV stream behind us, so you'll be able to hear that in the background, uh, in between the different topics that we're going to bring up today. But uh, if you haven't already please make sure to subscribe to the Today in Space podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, our Facebook page, Today in Space podcast. That's where you're listening. That's where you're watching us live now. So I, thank you. Thank you for joining. Uh, as you can see, we have the Crew 1 patch on our uh, background here, over here. Uh, it's, it's beautiful, uh, a blue dragon, and the actual dragon spacecraft, the Crew Dragon, which we have our 3D printed model here. And this is carrying four astronauts. This is the first, uh, from what I was gathering, this is the first orbital mission uh, to have four human beings launched into orbit. Um, you know, the Apollo missions, they were all three. Uh, and obviously a space shuttle is not a capsule. So uh, this is a historic mission in that regard. We've got our four astronauts on board. We have Mike Hopkins, who's flown before on uh, the Soyuz system. Victor Glover, who's our pilot today. Uh, who it's his first time flying into space, so that's super exciting. It was really cool to see everyone before they got into their Teslas coming out of the crew quarters, saying hi to their family and friends. I guess they didn't get to do that with the um, space shuttle program, especially right before, right before they got to the launch pad, like before a long time. So that's a little bit different, which is cool to learn. Um, Shannon Walker, she's the mission specialist. She also flew on the uh, the Soyuz system before. You know, spent time on the ISS. She's both an astronaut and an aquanaut. Did you know there's things as aquanauts? Yeah. I didn't know. You, you didn't know? <laughs> I don't think anyone else <laughs> listening knew. <laughs> oh. Yeah, uh, apparently they have uh, like these Nemo missions and they spend time underwater. Nemo missions, yeah. And it's the closest thing you can do to being in space. You know, deep sea and deep space, or just space, they're very similar. Different problems, but very similar. Um, the environment will kill you, so you've got to be—you've got to be in your uh, in your place and safe. Soichi Noguchi is the uh, the other astronaut from the uh, Japan's Aerospace Exploration Agency, their version of NASA, and he is going to be the first person to fly uh, on three different systems that have 
sent humans into space. So he was on the space shuttle. He also flew on the Soyuz. And now he'll be adding the Crew Dragon to his, his lineup. So that's pretty cool. Uh, like I was saying before, this is the first four-person crew ever to be in a capsule. Uh, one of the interesting things I learned from watching the broadcast earlier is because of COVID, they, you know, usually they'll get like hotel rooms and like they'll kind of spend some time together. But what they did in Hawthorne, California, they bought a house together or they, they lived in a house together. Airbnb, um, Airbnb beat it up <laughs> in Hawthorne. And, uh, and so they were, they were able to get a lot closer than crews usually get to get before a flight. So. Oh yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Good. That's nice. Yep. And uh, this, before, uh, before we switch it up here and listen in a little bit, we're at T-minus 37 minutes and 16, 15 seconds. Oh, the weather, the weather's looking much better. So we started today and even yesterday at 50% for favorable weather. At T-minus one hour, they updated it to 80% good. So we're looking really, really good. The spacecraft's looking good. It looks like the Crew Dragon is now armed. So if they do have to do any kind of stuff they've got downrange oh it's armed oh so let me explain that so the the crew escape system well it, it needs it needs to be ready to it's basically waiting for a command that says something's wrong with the rocket get him out of there yeah so it's 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 armed and waiting for a response if it needs to fire the eight draco engines that are around the spacecraft so it can go like that away from the rocket so yeah yeah, and this is pretty cool. This finally got certified by NASA to take humans into space right before this flight, which is which is pretty great. That's that's a huge accomplishment. That doesn't happen very easily at all in this industry. It takes a really long time, a lot of paperwork, and knowing a lot of good, you know, a lot of people in the industry and having a ton of money, which luckily Elon Musk has. Speaking of Elon Musk, he tested positive for COVID oh. right before this. So we wish him well. Apparently, he did his test. He got two positives and two negatives. Oh, super. So that's great. That that doesn't tell you anything other than you <laughs> just have to be safe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're not going to take a risk on this. So, so, yeah, so we wish him well. We hope he gets better. He didn't seem like he, he wasn't saying he had any symptoms, but yeah. just for everyone's safety, he is he is quarantining right now. So, again, get better soon, Elon. We need you. We had SpaceX's president, Gwen Shotwell, was taking over his his duties so she met with the crew while they were getting prepped with the administrator uh they took selfies in the room <laughs> naturally. yeah naturally so those yeah those are the pluses of having that job the dragon the crew dragon's name for this mission is called resilience that's what they named it which is pretty good if i i pulled up a definition here in physics it means the ability of an elastic material such as rubber and anim or animal tissue to absorb energy such as from a blow and release that energy as it springs back to its original shape the phenomenon that can be used as analogous as a person's ability to bounce back after a jarring setback which i think we've all experienced a setback in 2020 so it's a good name it's a good name so that is merriam webster i think that's where i got that from like i said thank you for joining us if you have any comments let me know. Let me know what you're thinking. If you have any questions about the launch itself, oh, they're, they're fueling the rocket right now. That's what they're doing. So the good thing is we know they're safe. I mean, wait, they've tested the system. I, I shouldn't say that we know they're safe. We've, they've, got, they've tested the abort system enough times that they're safe with it. They're okay with it. And the Super Draco engines have performed like really well from what I've seen from the outside. So they've managed to go through. We see a nice view of uh, the crew inside. Man, that 
the inside of that crew dragon just looks like the future. <laughs> it's amazing. So wait, the Super Draco mm. engines mm -hmm. sounds like a super evil Harry Potter character, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, are they just the ones on the the, the crew? Yeah. Or not the ones on the bottom? Right. Yes, those are uh, the Merlin engines. Those are the ones that are attached to the Falcon 9. There's a vacuum Merlin engine on the second stage mm. so that it can operate in space in right. a vacuum. And yeah, the eight Draco engines are these that will, or that can make it separate from the rocket in case the rocket has any issues. So those don't fire by themselves? Is like navigating in space? No, because it would be too much thrust. Um, they're meant, they're, so they're, the fuel is meant to be instant, so as soon as the two mix, you just basically release the two together, and then they oxidize, and they, yeah, they go. So, not too much control. You just want high thrust and to be able to get out of there. That's what those are kind of meant for. They, there are, though, so these are the Super Dracos. The things they're using to maneuver are these thrusters here. So these are releasing gas that lets them kind of spin around, turn, yaw, all roll all those amazing things in space. Yaw. Yaw. I know that was that was the funniest thing. Learning yaw is the hilarious one. I think the last time we did this, uh, I showed this. But when when you're talking about how you figure out where you are in space, you've got three coordinate systems. Um, you've got roll. You've got yaw. Roll right? name makes sense. But <laughs> yaw does not. I just want to be. Clear I mean, it was one of the weird words I had to learn. Yeah. But it's been there for a really long time. I don't know where yaw came from. <laughs> but it's like the movement that you don't do often, right? Where like, if you've got like a plane and you're flying, like the yaw is like this movement. You're not doing a lot of like nose. Hopefully no, hopefully not. Hopefully not. You know, barrel roll. Maybe you're doing a barrel roll. But that's about it. That's about it. Good, good thing to mention here. So instantaneous launch time means they have to launch at 727 Eastern Standard Time, or they got to cancel the mission, scrub it. It's just the way that the launch window turns out with the amount of fuel they have, the performance of the rocket, that they can get to the orbit they need to. And, and obviously, it, it could also be whatever they got actual clearance for flying. So they're trying to do a bunch of things here, like got scrubs on Saturday, which is the original date for it, because they wanted to recover the first stage rocket because they want to save money. NASA actually wants to save money, <laughs> which is amazing. And so they actually delayed the launch, not so much for the safety of the crew, but because the mission entails recovering that first stage rocket. So we will be looking for that here. Um, it is a night launch, though, so it's going to be a little bit different. Night launches, as you can see here, night launches are really, are a little bit different. It just looks like a fireball like a sun rising into the sky. I still haven't been to one, but they're apparently really cool. All right, so one of the things I definitely want to talk about is, so you guys know, if you follow the podcast, we have the Spotify playlist of Space Mix, which is all of the f amazing space songs that we have, space science songs. It's available on Spotify, and we just found out some of the things. So Demo 2 launch, we added the songs that the crew was listening to on their way to the launch pad. They're launch playlist. Some of those included Back in Black by ACDC and Girl from Ipanema and the Star Spangled Banner. So that was what Bob and Doug put on there. This time we found out they had uh, Alicia Keys, How It Feels to Fly, Van Halen Right Now, Fly Away, Lenny Kravitz, Uptown Funk, 
with Bruno Mars. So pretty, and it was two cars. They had two different playlists going. So, so those will find their way on that Spotify playlist, Space Mix. So you'll, you'll definitely be able to have that. Let's, oh, actually, before we dive into that, they're gonna be spending, they were talking about this earlier. It's 27 and a half hours in orbit. Uh, after they launch. So they're going to be in that thing for 27 and a half hours before they, they're able to dock from the space station. So they're going to be taking some time to sleep. They're going to be spending some time doing that. We are now at uh, T-minus 25 minutes, uh, five seconds and counting from the second astronaut launch from U.S. soil this year. And the first with four yes. astronauts aboard Crew Dragon. So the Artemis Accords, we're, we're trying to set up this whole new thing. Oh, that's my computer. We're trying to set up this whole new setup for going into space and going to the moon for long term. And we were talking about on the last podcast about, you know, how, how do we set up a future where like the space economy is stable and we're able to send people to the moon like we send people to Ohio or California or Tokyo or on Earth, you know? All of this stuff, all this amazing stuff that's happened in the last four years is in big part because of our uh, NASA administrator, Jim, Jim Bridenstein, that has recently said that he's uh, going to be stepping down uh, with the, the change uh, at the White House, which I, I haven't had a chance to talk about. But I think, first of all, I'm going to miss Jim Bridenstein a lot. He's done a tremendous job of, of just bringing people together in, in, in no matter, it didn't, it didn't, the politics didn't matter with him. It was about what was the best thing for the United States, for the international partnerships that we have, for allowing that the space program got to the point where it needed to get to for its next step. Like, we were so far behind. And in four years, he brought, he played the political game very, very well, got the funding we needed, worked with uh, an agency to continue the work from the previous agency, which had never been done before, right? The Obama administration set in place this commercial coup program originally, and Jim Bridenstine ushered it through, and now we're entering this stage where it's continuing, you know, now our first operational mission is four years, you know, after he got into that position, and he's now going to pass it on to someone else. It's going to be sad to see him go, but he's done a lot of great work here, and there's going to be someone else, hopefully, that takes it from him and continues it, so that's sad to see him go, but again, he's done such a great job, so I... I'm very happy to uh, to have had him in this position. It's that's a tough position, administrator of NASA. Like that's not easy. Can't imagine it would be. No. My only really, my only real knowledge on the subject is from the movie. Um, <laughs> oh, what's uh, Armageddon. No, no. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're talking The Martian. The Martian. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> that's a really good look at that job. Yeah, for sure. You're you're constantly. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. Mm -hmm. It's a good view of just how complicated that is. Mm. All right, thank you so much, Shaniqua. Uh, we are inside of uh, T-minus 19 minutes until launch. Uh, so exciting. We started the day with 50% uh, probability of launch, and now we're up to 80% uh, chance of the weather cooperating. So we are so excited. Uh, I know we're going to be turning our attention uh, solely to the pad and going over to Hawthorne to take us through the final count. But um, one thing that really stuck out to me earlier, and I wanted to mention, when Shannon was talking about her path to becoming an astronaut, she talked about how she was four years old when she decided that that's what I want to do. And 
it really stuck out to me because my four-year-old daughter is watching and she's dreaming about becoming an astronaut and it's so special for I, I think especially for little girls maybe I'm biased but to be able to have a role model like Shannon and like you Nicole um, because at the time when Shannon was four years old women weren't astronauts um, and what an amazing time to be in when uh, little girls have women to look up to um, and African-American children have Victor Glover to look up to and see that you know um, they're represented and they can do this too. Yeah, and I think um, NASA Ooh, and the world of yeah. space exploration, you know, from the human spaceflight side for sure, has been, you know, over the years just so progressive in understanding how this diversity makes so is so important. And I love thinking about your four-year-old daughter um, <laughs> watching launch tonight and being excited about this. And I'm thankful to be here tonight with you two ladies, kind of representing. <laughs> I'm super excited. I have seen SpaceX launches before. I've seen shuttle launches before, but I've never been this close to the launch pad. Uh, and I'm just, my palms are sweaty with excitement. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be incredible. You know, night launches here, they just light up the sky. And so yeah. I'm super excited, and I can't even imagine that. You know, I, I, I think a lot about Victor Glover this evening, because as we said before, this is his first time going to space. He has thousands of hours as a test pilot like a super impressive resume badass and this is his first time going to space and i i'm so excited for him to be part of this mission and, and get to go to the iss after a long wait yeah and that that is a beautiful destination let me just tell you that <laughs> they you know the four of them are going to you know do amazing work there and it's been mentioned a couple times before you know this partnership that we have that's allowing us to do such incredible things that are just ultimately about improving life on earth absolutely and I'll, I'll touch on this real quick the mission itself is going to be six months long so they're going to be up there for a while they're going to be able to do spacewalks do a bunch of science and research and you know six months in space is not a regular thing so to have us reach this new plateau of long duration space travel so we can practice for the moon mars other big missions it's very cool that just to see how in five years things have changed so much in the space program for the u.s and and the ability for internationally everyone to be able to use the international space station that's where artemis and going to the moon that's hopefully what we continue that towards the moon what's what's some of the work they're going to do up there uh oh while they're while they're in orbit yeah um, there's, well, I have to do more looking into it, but there's going to be some spacewalks. So they're going to be installing different things. They've been replacing batteries, some older stuff, adding some new equipment. Uh, I think, uh, I was reading, I don't, I think it's Victor Glover is going to be spending, actually going to be able to sleep in the Crew Dragon spacecraft while he's up. Uh, I'll have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. It's uh, Worf and the Defiant. Yeah, it's Worf and the Defiant. Yeah, DS9. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, dear. Star Trek Oh, we've been watching a lot of Star Trek lately. <laughs> we'll have to talk more about that. I can probably look that up and see if we can get it in before launch, but I'm not 100% sure. All right. Fair. But typically, they go up, there's experiments. They, they're they very booked. Maybe they're involved in experiments. Mm -hmm, no doubt. And they're going to be taking, you know, just like they did with the year in space with Scott Kelly and Mikhail Kornienko, where they took samples and stuff like that. They're going to be doing the same thing to see, like, did their genetics change after six months? Did right. did anything, blood pressure, stool, urine, like, they're going to be taking a lot of uh, different things from what I heard. Something about bringing up some sort of biological sample. Yes. 
That's right. So there, uh, let me look up that. So you're talking about the tissue chip, I believe. Yes, it sounds disgusting. Yes, yes. But basically, it's this, um, one of the experiments that's flying up with them, because they're also carrying cargo on board, is the is from the National Institutes of Health, which is going to be this tissue chip, which is a chip. It's basically a tiny laboratory experiment where they're able to infuse different things to, to in, in one of these cases, they're doing disease research and they're, they're able to test with human tissue and even uh, genetically modified tissue, not all of it, but some of it is, test drugs, test uh, different effects of things in, instead of doing like a clinical trial with a person. They'll be able to do with the tissue in space and because of the zero gravity allows for that little experiment to 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 perform it's it's wild i had a friend in college who was who was working on one of these and it's basically you put the sample whatever it is the uh, human tissue sample or other things in it and almost like a like a pipette you know a pipette the capillary action it pulls through it's using capillary action to perform experiments so basically it's this little chip these little channels and once you start the experiment because of the zero gravity that action of, of the pipette in zero gravity and how those things move is what helps actuate. So there's no there's nothing running in the experiment. It's just going stage to stage in this little chip, performing the experiment as it goes through. So the zero gravity is causing the the movement. It's it's action? helping. Yeah, it's helping. It's it's from what I understand, it's helping two things. It's helping actuate the experiment itself, so that the gravity doesn't. Um, interact in the effect of it but it's also zero gravity is really good for a lot of medical situations like um you can develop better drugs in space because gravity is not acting on it like destroying crystal structures and stuff uh, stuff like that as it develops so very confusing. <laughs> i mean you know the acceleration it like just like on all our bodies as we get older like our 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 bodies literally sag from the acceleration <laughs> and it's a it's a weird thing to think about but yeah like it's it's something that's it's it's fascinating it's some pretty cool stuff um and I, I may be wrong about one or two things there but the basic thing about so definitely go research it but the little tissue chip basically what that is is what they would do what they used to do in a whole lab with a bunch of interns and stuff into this tiny little thing that does a whole experiment and you're able to test a drug with a real like human tissue and see what it does instead of hurting a human being you just they figured out oh we just need that so hmm. pretty amazing stuff 10 minutes people <laughs> and know that we are all for one he sounds like a flight attendant <laughs> For all people. That's been the hand signal. Hopkins confirming those crew displays are configured, and that T minus 10 minutes was another check for the Falcon 9 launch commit criteria. It was checked by some computers. It was the last check of a wide variety of the Falcon system data to make sure we are go. From here on, we continue to count down until T minus 7 minutes when the pre valves open. Pre valves, people. What is a pre valve? 
I'm not 100% sure what the function of a pre-valve really is. Okay. I'm just excited by the word. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. Sounds good. I could give you a guess nope. based on the name, but I'm not going to do that. are between the propellant tanks and with the Merlin engines. There we go. We'll open the pre-valves. That'll allow us to begin passing a small amount of liquid oxygen through the inlet of the turbo pumps. That'll chill them down to get them ready for when we bring the pumps up to full speed at T minus two seconds. We want to make sure that the pumps are chilled so that there's not any opportunity for the liquid oxygen to possibly get uh, in contact with a warm pump and turn into gas, something you want to avoid on a turbo pump. Sounds like a big problem. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, pre-pump is oxygen pushing through the valve, yeah. Uh, liquid, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sick. Now we mm -hmm. have... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't say mm-hmm like... <laughs> freaking <milk. laughs> Oh, man. No, no, there's so much that I, I still have to learn about, like, the inner workings of, of all that stuff. Oh, God. There's, there's so much. So much that goes into this. So many engineers and scientists that, I mean, you see the four people on the crew. And that's, that's who you, you know, you visualize when you think of this. But there is a village, uh, basically like a small country behind every single launch. Um, and this multiple time, we've, countries. there's multiple countries this time, exactly, exactly. And there's the call out. Stage one engine chill has started. Indicates that we are opening the pre-valves. Liquid oxygen now beginning to flow slowly through the turbo pumps on the Merlin 1D first stage engines. Through the pre-valves, I would say. Nice. <laughs> next call out should be about 30 seconds from now. We'll be looking for stage one RP load complete. That's the densified kerosene, that fuel oh, on the first stage, kerosene. already full on the second stage, and we'll still be loading liquid oxygen. Kerosene and liquid oxygen combine, because you need an oxidizer. And the chilled liquid oxygen is better because you can pack more atoms, more molecules. But that's what's venting when you see it do that. Okay, through the pre-valves. I love the suspense too, Rick. My heart keeps racing. Thirty seconds. We'll enter terminal count. Dragon's onboard computers will take control of the vehicle. Both fuel on first and second stage is complete, and liquid oxygen uh, we're locked in with the second stage at about eighty percent. First stage at ninety-five percent. Something else you might notice is water rushing the pad shortly before liftoff. That's to suppress the sound and keep any sound from imparting a load onto <laughs> the dragon as it prepares to lift off. I know, isn't that crazy? This is physics, Sarah. <laughs> You're right, it did sound like they were dropping a load. Uh, but no, isn't that crazy? Like, the water's not there to stop the fire or anything like that. It's to deafen the sound of the load that you're dropping. <laughs> number two. Number, number two. Strong back retract. John, you want to tell us a little bit more? Uh, yeah, uh, Rick, so it's a go for right now. I think two minutes is going to be that line where 
if it goes past two minutes and then past one minute, uh, it's going. So the weather is at 80% good, so most of the stuff that was a no-go for this launch is now good. So the vehicle looks good, the it's weather's looking good. It doesn't rain like on the pad. Right, so. right. Yeah, so as long as there's literally no rain on the pad, they should be good to go. And by about T minus three and a half minutes, we ought to be finished with that. The strong back will retract to 45 strong degrees back. away from the rock. That's something I wish I had. <laughs> a strong back. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Working on it. Working on it. Right now, we're waiting for the retract. Okay, strong back's going. Move away from the vehicle. The strong back is the thing that lifts it vertical. Um, and it needs to get out of the way when it's launching. It doesn't hit it as it's going up. Yeah, that would suck. Yep, yeah. yep. It looks like we are just about into the required pre-launch position, just a couple of degrees away from the Falcon 9 and the Dragon capsule. But right now, T minus three minutes, eight seconds. Everything continues to be go on Dragon and Falcon 9. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let's go! That's not the only thing that could make it stop now. Right. No, I mean they could have so yeah, there's there's a range of what everything is like nominal is what they call it. So they're looking to make sure like the pressure isn't going too high and there's all these little things that they're looking for where if it's acting abnormally, they may shut it down. But they've got a whole list of like what to do when this is off. It's it's wild. Wraps up at about T minus 2 minutes. Then at about T minus a minute and a half, we have to drain back and vent down the liquid line that goes up the strong back alongside the Falcon 9. If you see a large white cloud about midway down around the rocket, that's normal. That's again just the gaseous oxygen hitting the warm, moist Florida air. And this is pad 39A. This is the historic pad where all the Apollo missions happened, where human spaceflight really became history. This is SpaceX leased the pad and they're doing that now. They're bringing it back. Look at their boots. Yeah. Sweet boots. And I've been in the market stage for two liquid oxygen load is complete. That means we have those are your space boots. Fuel on the first and second stages that densify kerosene and good for all things space. <laughs> liquid oxygen on the first and second stage as well. Very fast. Yes. Alive, it's breathing. It's gonna breathe fire pretty soon. Dragon is in countdown, and Falcon 9 is in startup. Here we go. This is looking at one minute, folks. T minus one minute. We are going. So the engine at 37 seconds, the International Space Station flying over Kennedy Space Center. 30 seconds, 29, 28. The the rocket is taking over now, folks. The rocket is running everything from now on. Nineteen. Oh boy. First operational mission for NASA astronauts to go to space after the space shuttle. Crew one. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. 
One. Yahtzee. <laughs> So, like with most launches, nominal. Nominal is good. That's where you want to be. Well, the hardest part coming up here is going to be max Q, the, the area of max aerodynamic pressure. Crew Dragon. Yeah, they have to throttle down because they'll just rip up in the atmosphere if they just go full strength on the rocket. Less, less particles. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's less dense, less dense air. You less friction, exactly. And pressure too, because it's you're squeezing yourself between them. Well, max Q is the point where it's it's the it's the worst. So that's where they pull it back. Of pressure on the vehicle. Yeah. So it's not necessarily the area of the densest. Yeah. It's just where the it's a it's a balance of there's an equation. But stage one Bravo aboard mode that's going to take them through the end of the first stage burning just before second stage All right. activates off the coast of North Carolina. So now that's, that's, that's a huge thing. Getting through that is the hardest part. Now it's, is the vehicle still operating optimally? So everything still looks good. <sighs> that is fast. All right, so now they're loading the, ver the vacuum engine with fuel. Um, that's what that is. Or they're, they're preparing it so that it can go in. Because once you're in space, it's cold, so you don't want hot fuel going in. Being prepared for its ignition, coming up in just over 30 seconds from now, we're a half a minute away from three quick events in rapid succession. We're going to get main engine cut off. The nine Merlin engines will throttle down and then shut down. Miko, we're going to get Miko yeah. <laughs> main engine cut off. Second stage engine. We've begun the throttle down in preparation for state separation. All right. And this second half is going to fly back down into to North Carolina? Uh, off the shore, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Where the, the drone ship is off, off the coast. All right, so that's a good separation. Awesome, awesome. First stage has cut off, separated. Vacuum engine has ignited. Stage two, crew one is now on their way to the International Space Yes. Station. On the right side of your screen, you see stage two continuing to burn. Over on the left-hand side is stage one preparing for its return to Earth. Uh, currently on the left side, you can't make out... Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be tough to make out the, the Falcon 9. <laughs> Uh, coming back it's down. It's pretty dark. It's pr pretty dark. <laughs> it's pretty dark. before it begins to descend back into Earth's atmosphere. Now, as we watch, maybe we'll see the lights of Florida or the eastern seaboard in the background, but otherwise, there's not going to be much to see. No, it's the only bad thing about On a night launch. You can hear the call. That's great. Trajectory is nominal. That's great. So that means they got the right height and the right speed for getting to the International Space Station on time. 27 and a half hours. 
in resilience. The great dragon name. <laughs> it's a nice heat distribution on that bell. Yeah. Of outer space. Dragon SpaceX trajectory nominal. It's funny. Was sometimes they would have like weld lines. You could like see the weld lines as it was heating up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Dragon made it to the Falcon 9 second stage. That's awesome. So they don't black out like they do in the movies? <laughs> right. They really don't? I really thought they did. Oh, at which, oh, during the, the launch? Um, I don't know if that happens with this vehicle. I'm not sure. It's a good question. Ooh, how fast is the space station going? 17,500 miles per hour. I did. I was ready for that, Rick. Thank you. Um, but yes, it's going very fast, uh, faster than a speeding bullet, actually. Uh, and it's just constantly falling around the planet. And so basically what they got to do is get enough speed to match with the space station. So now they're at 11,000, almost 12,000 kilometers an hour. So they've got a little, little way to go. And that's why it's going to take 27 and a half hours, because they're very carefully going to be slowly speeding up, which is going to increase their height in orbit to then get to the right place to then dock. So, and the cool thing is the docking procedure is done with lasers. Yes, yeah, to make it a much easier process. They still have the the uh, Canadarm two, the claw, the space claw uh, to help bring them in in case that's needed. But it's pretty sweet. Nothing like the Martian. <laughs> no. That was a much more difficult procedure. Okay, so update on the speed of the International Space Station. It's a little bit slower than what I said. It's 17,150 miles per hour. So that's relative. It, it goes through periods where it goes faster and slower. But you know they have to, re, they have to refire boosters to get it back into orbit because it's always slowly getting pulled back in. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, uh, this is a uh, uh, burn, I think, and before. Mission of the entry burn? Yeah, entry burn, slowing it down as it comes back in. The other two restart engines. First stage now getting ready to re enter the Earth's atmosphere. Beautiful this is about fans. a 20 yes. I know they've come so far. Remember seeing one burn up as it was coming in because they didn't have the right titanium yet. Whatever coating was on it just burnt up from the friction. Which is now over. First stage on target for the drone ship in the Atlantic Ocean. Woo! Yeah. What's up, Roger? What's up, mate? Hope you're doing well. Wow. That was one of my questions. If if um, trajectory wasn't nominal, so they would have tried to go to... And we've got shut down of the second stage engine on time. Woo! They would try to land again it, it would have different uh yeah different orbits it would try and like deorbit and come back in yeah all right we got video on the drone ship oh there's that shake you expect when it comes back in oh it it, it it looks good. I don't see a giant explosion, so that's good. Yeah, there it is. Woo! 
NASA just saved a whole bunch of money! Yay! I, I want to say, let, let me get the number because we were talking about the, how much money did NASA actually save by using the Falcon 9 system from SpaceX? By being able to launch on the same... Uh, it's the Falcon Heavy cost... Give me one sec, folks. Oh, the crew looks good. Look how good the inside of that capsule looks. Alright, so the rocket itself... Let's see. The original Falcon 9 was, this is back in 2010, that was $56 million for a Falcon 9. For the first version of the Falcon 9. That it, the whole thing costs? Yeah, for the whole thing. When it lands, when they have that first stage. Because the, the other thing is it's not really as much public information, so you got to kind of like pull up. But basically... It's millions of dollars. But basically, if you fly on a reused Falcon 9, that price is, is dramatically uh, cheaper. There is like a little bit more risk because it's, you know, it's reused. But th we've had Falcon 9s go four, five launches. So that's pretty good. And still deliver cargo and have no issues. Ooh. Yeah. Nice separation. Second stage departing. Crew Dragon leaving it behind. It's looking good. All right, so Rick asks, do these rockets get into orbit quicker than the Apollo rockets did? That's a really good question. The The Saturn V rocket still to this day is, is the most powerful rocket uh, ever. Um, so the amount of thrust that would be able to produce, which would then be the speed it could get out of orbit. It depends on what orbit is, right? If it's the common line, like getting into um, technical orbit, where you're kind of in free float, like that's, then yeah, it's going to get faster. The The orbit for the Saturn V was different than going to the International Space Station. It's, it's a combination of the Falcon 9 is a lot lighter, but the actual numbers, I would actually want to look that up. My guess is way more thrust on the Saturn V, so you'd expect it to have more power to get into a higher orbit, so quicker. Like, the Falcon 9 could not perform the moon mission. It just doesn't have enough power, enough thrust to get you into an orbit that you're looking for. The Falcon Heavy has close, but that's, that's three Falcon 9s. So, uh, just to give you an idea of like the comparison between the two. But that's a really good question. I'm not sure which would actually go faster, because... The Saturn V would technically be a little bit more sluggish because it was so big. Because all that mass has to get accelerated at a different rate. Good question. Good question, Rick. We'll have to follow up with that. Guys, this is amazing. Oh my gosh, John. It just it just took our breath away. I mean, we could just turn right around in our seats and watch. Yeah, it was right above... Right above that uh, launch tower they have, or the launch clock. Uh, coming back down. Yeah, that was outstanding. Outstanding. And I don't even know what to say. <laughs> high five. We're like, high five and through the shield here. My husband texted me a picture of my daughter watching liftoff. It was just, um, I'm emotional. Um, just, yeah. yeah. And seeing that, and, and we and went on the first attempt. Yeah, that's true. It took two. It took two attempts last time. Demo, demo two at multiple attempts. The first got scrapped. I mean, I'm looking kind of mellow, but you can see Victor's kind of letting his arms do a little bit of the floaty thing. I bet he cannot wait to get out of his seat. He's gonna get a chance to here shortly, so he's officially on his way. Yeah, Victor Glover, first mission man. Congrats. and Soichi are now on course to arrive at the International Space Station just tomorrow, Monday, November 16th, around 11 p.m. Eastern Time.
folks. And I think we're going to conclude ours as well because we have a Patriots game to go, go watch. Go Pats. Uh, everyone who hates us, oh well. Um, thank you for joining us for today in space. Uh, huge congratulations to the SpaceX team, the NASA team, everyone at Kennedy Space Center that helped make this happen, uh, and all the people that will be working without any sleep until the team makes it successfully and docks tomorrow night on Monday. Uh, so thank you for joining us today in space. You're, you're all things space podcast. I am your space podcast host from the East Coast, Alex Girofanos. Sarah, thank you for joining us. And, uh, and providing the color commentary. I appreciate it. <laughs> Shannon, Mike, Victor, Soichi, congratulations. Good luck on your 27 and a half hour trip to the ISS. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Cindy, Rick, Roger, and Patricia for joining in today. And Tim, thank you, everyone, for joining us. I appreciate you. Much love. Spread love and spread science. We'll see you next time for another episode of Today in Space. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Many intergalactic greetings to you, my friends.